You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, back from vacation like we never left. And you won't hear from us again on Monday either, New Year's Day. Ever celebrate New Year's Day on January 2nd? Well, you're about to. But it's this Thursday, it's next Thursday, and you'll hear from us again. And hopefully we'll have more to talk about next week because we're recapping kind of a quiet week in Yankee land. Sometimes big things happen during the holiday break. Sometimes they just don't. This is one of the instances where they... Kind of just didn't. The Yankees made a bunch of their signings official last week, naming Aaron Judge captain, welcoming Carlos Rodon to the Bronx, and adding Tommy Canley to the roster and jettisoning Lucas Litke. Probably not a shock that that happened. Just a bit of a shock that it happened so quickly. He finally got traded Wednesday night. So we'll talk you through the flip side of that move, which has now been made official. The Yankees get a couple of interesting prospects from the Atlanta Braves on the back end. Plus, does Anthony Volpe have a real shot to be the opening day shortstop? They're certainly telling him he does. And how do the Yankees fill this left field gap now that they are not going to get Dalton Varsho, probably not going to get Brian Reynolds, and are still waiting on a viable solution and clearly have decided not to jump the line and trade for Max Kepler? He's still there. You can still have Max Kepler if you want to. Nobody wants to. Yeah, we'll dive into it and what, what the options look like there. Make sure to find us. On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. Drop us a review there. Unless you're going to call us smug like somebody did this week, then don't do that. Uh, but if you want to leave us a compliment, that'd be great. That's the problem. Most reviews, like most of the people who take time to leave reviews are like, yeah, I'll leave a review. You guys suck ass. So if you're going to do that, uh, don't do that. But if you like, if you like the show, uh, don't stay silent. Please drop us a review. The subscribers and the listeners say they like it. So if any of you are among those people who show up and tell us good job, show up and tell us good job in the reviews. It really means a lot. Please subscribe to the channel. You can find us live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays, uh, talking Yankees baseball. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. Can't believe we're doing this 
during the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, and I'm sure that's where most of our viewers are, are tuning their attentions to instead. Um, we're going to get back. We're going to watch the game as soon as we get off the stream. Don't worry about that. Uh, but how was your uh, holiday and uh, ready for 2023? I, I certainly am. Yeah, holiday was great. Santa Kane, um, pretty great guy. <laughs> uh, Pinstripe Bowl, that's a Yankee Stadium, right? So sure. everything, everything's aligning uh, for us today. First pod back in a week, um, 2023. I think it's going to be a big year for all of us, personally, Yankees-wise. Uh, things are looking up, feeling good. You get the fresh restart. Sometimes it's fake, you know, where you're tricking yourself into, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, uh, the, the slate's going to be blank heading into this year. I'm going to start anew. Um, in so many years, it's felt kind of artificial. This year, it's feeling more real for me, both personally and, uh, and fandom-wise. So that's where I'm at. Um, and, uh, Lucas Litke, who we'll dive into, I guess, right now, mm -hmm. uh, will ring in the new year with a new team. We knew it was kind of going to happen. Um, I'm still kind of confused by this. You looked into a little bit more of the return here. He was obviously DFA'd last week to make move, uh, to make the move for Rodon or Canely. It was Canely. Rodon was, uh, I don't remember how he got on the roster. Was that, uh, oh, it was our Junior friend, Fernandez, right? Our friend Junior Fernandez. Yeah. Uh, so, the yeah, Matt, Litke, perfect Matt Blake project who the Yankees decided a week later was unfixable. Can't use yeah. it. Um, Litke seemed like he would have been at least second in that pecking order. So, you know, like you said, it was surprising that it was so soon. Um, and I guess that the Yankees wanted some urgency to uh, – um, maybe trade him before the new year um, and not have to press it up against the, the second holiday in this uh, span of a week. Um, but yep, Licky's on the Braves now. I'll get it off my chest here. I'm a little confused by this. I'm not mad about it, but Licky was set to make 1.7 million in 2023, which is nothing. Um, uh, do I think he was a, a superior bullpen option? Not really. His high leverage numbers were not great. But he served a purpose. He was a lefty. He limited hard contact. He could come in in high-ish leverage situations if you really needed him to in the event the bullpen was overworked. Or he could get a three-out save. Or he could be the first guy out of the bullpen when one of the starters had to leave early in the maybe second, third, or fourth inning. So for me, Litke had a clear role in this bullpen with the value. The value is eating innings. The value is a very cheap salary, which the Yankees are trying to capitalize upon because right now they're in between the second. Is it the second? No, it's the third and the fourth uh, luxury tax threshold. So they're above the 273 million mark. They're just short of the 290. Um, and you look at the 40 man here. Um, I, I don't, I don't know why Davey Garcia is still here. Um, I don't know if you can answer that question for me or if anybody else can. Um, I, I think that you could have an argument that you should have maybe expedited a Clark Schmidt trade before doing this. Um, and I know the trade market, as a number of insiders has said, is not really materialized and we're not expected to see anything before the new year. We just saw Licky get dealt and I'm sure there would have been interest in Clark Schmidt. So I don't know what you make of this. I don't know how you feel about the return here, but uh, this is a meh for me. I guess we'll see what happens. Litke's just an easier one to get rid of because from, so from the Yankees' perspective, they just knew he was, if not the first on the chopping block, but definitely top three or four on the chopping block. 
You DFA Davy Garcia, he probably ends up in no man's land and gets claimed by no one and then just gets picked up. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're unable to work out a trade because no one bugs them on it. No one asks them to work out a trade. It's like the Red Sox DFAing Eric Hosmer way too late to protect anybody. And then the rest of baseball goes, yeah, even at that, you know, salary where it's all being paid by the Padres, we still don't want Eric Hosmer. And so now he's floating. You can sign with any team and it'll be super, super cheap because the Padres are paying his giant contract and whatever. The Yankees knew they were going to get rid of Litke. And we quibble at it at first sight saying, well, why is he the, you know, it's a little early to pull this move, don't you think? Especially because the numbers are there. He's a fine performer. Uh, you never felt extremely confident when he was coming in, but you look at the numbers at the end of the year and he racked them up. He was clearly a worthwhile addition last year. And the stat cast numbers say 100th percentile and hard hit rate allowed. Clearly one of the league's elite at limiting hard contact. So you wonder why the Yankees are so eager to let him go. Well, there weren't that many other options to shuffle off the roster. Now that they've lost Britain, they've lost Chapman, they've lost Chad Green during his injury timeout. He's a free agent. He'll sign the Tommy Canley contract with somebody. He'll be back in September, and then he'll pitch a full year in 2024. So outside of Davey Garcia, there weren't that many pieces to play around with. And Davey Garcia is very unlikely. No one's raising their hand, nipping at anybody's heels to go make a trade for Davey Garcia. Someone will pick him up for nothing. You know if you trade Litke, you get something back for him. Now, the the clutch stats and high leverage stuff you alluded to, it's even worse than we're giving off. So you might as well read it out to give everybody yeah. a full picture of why maybe Yankee fans, when you say like, oh, 100th percentile and limiting hard contact, I think Yankee fans will push back and just say, when did you really trust Lucas Litke? And the answer is, very rarely. Uh, now, for him to even make the big league roster in 2021, let alone survive for 2021 and 2022, that's a huge win. They picked him up off the scrap heap. He showed up in spring training as a non-roster invitee, pitched his ass off, made the team like Manny Benuelos in 2022. Except for unlike Manny Benuelos, who lasted 10 innings and pitched only in blowouts, Lipke ended up as a three-inning save guy and survived on this roster for two years. The rumors dating back to the deadline last summer were that they were going to cut bait with him at some point, maybe trade him. People were talking about Litke to the Cardinals. Lo and behold, somebody read their tea leaves wrong. It was actually Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals. Litke stayed put, but the writing was on the wall at that point. I don't think he was going to last much past the first, first transaction of the new year. So you might as well do it now and try to maximize your trade return because he's going to be worth more than a TV Garcia type. Two outs, runners in scoring position, 44 plate appearances, 36 at-bats last year. People hit 306 off him with an 821 OPS. Late and close, 55 plate appearances as constituted by the metrics there. 404 batting average, 1,033 OPS. What baseball reference deems as a high leverage appearance, uh, he appeared in 17 games that encompassed high leverage scenarios. 46 plate appearances, 43 at-bats, 20 hits. Two homers, only one walk in eight Ks, but 465 with a 1223 OPS off him in high leverage situations. Medium leverage only gave up three hits and 43 at-bats. Low leverage, 40 hits and 142 at-bats, but more than double, you know, low leverage appearances are a vast majority of his appearances. 86 at-bats, either high or medium, 142 in low. That's like 65% between 60 and 65% of his appearances were in low leverage scenarios. Need a three inning save up six against the Red Sox at Fenway. 
he can do that. He did it this year, but you can't act like you were super pumped to see him come in that, even that scenario. You're like Litke at Fenway, um, soft tossing lefty, short wall. No thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, but he got the job done on, on enough occasions to be a Yankee fan favorite, to be someone who people would would rightly argue was underappreciated. You can hear it from both sides. People who said Licky stunk, yeah, the high leverage numbers aren't good. So those people, there's validity to that argument. People who said Licky was underrated, also not incorrect. The, the metrics are there. The performance is there. He pitched a lot of low leverage innings, and that is valuable. Uh, valuable enough to be worth positive war last year, 0.7 war, 60 Ks and 57 and a third innings, 2.67 ERA. Kind of feels like a first world problem to be complaining about him. But then again, whenever you put him in a high leverage situation, unlikely to work out. So that makes you the last man in a really good bullpen. And that's what he's going to be again in Atlanta. He, he doesn't belong in a terrible bullpen. He doesn't belong in high leverage in a terrible bullpen. He belongs in low leverage in a really good one. And he's going to Atlanta now and with the chance to do that. So the Yankees have extended his career. Say goodbye, I think, on good terms. Yeah, I enjoyed Lucas Lickey for once again. I knew it was expected of him. He worked really hard. He was not supposed to really be here. He wasn't really supposed to carve out a role. He did. I just thought the role fully came into focus after last year, even though it was kind of not on the greatest of terms because you realize that his ability to throw in the higher leverage situations was diminishing greatly. That said, adios, our friend. We enjoyed your soft-tossing lefty delivery off that mound and you know uh lefties hold a spot in my heart because i myself am a lefty and have dealt with adversity my entire life um speaking I, of adversity I, I hate to interrupt but the area regional sales manager for bad boy mowers just threw out the coin toss at the pinstripe bowl so oh um can i talk uh, can i talk return on licky for like five seconds yeah just so everybody knows, uh, Caleb Durbin, an infielder who stole 31 bases last year, hit eight homers between low and high A. I don't think that's someone who really has to be on your radar, quite frankly, unless you really want a prospect hug and fall in love with Caleb Durbin early, in which case, God bless, good night and good luck. I think that's the part of the farm system you have to be okay with getting rid of. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people comparing him to Cooper Bowman, who was the fourth piece in the Frankie Montas trade, if someday – this guy can be the fourth piece in a someone trade, then great. Uh, but neither of these guys need spots on the 40 man, which is the most important thing. Uh, Indigo Diaz, the pitcher they got in addition to Durbin out of Michigan state. I can't pretend I'd heard of this person before last night. I will look you in the <laughs> eyes now and say, I didn't, I do. I did not know who this person was until we traded for him. So take that with a grain of salt, but we saw some people take the pandemic and uh, get drastically worse. Right. Some people uh, took 2020 off, came back in 2021 with nothing clearly lost without the strength training program or whatnot. Inigo Diaz comes back from the 2020 hiatus. He's a 27th round pick out of Michigan State in 2019. Sure, great. Getting drafted feels good. He's from Vancouver in Canada. Also cool. Uh, all he has on his docket before the pandemic is 10 and a third innings at rookie ball in 2019. Mm. Comes back in 2021. And between high a ball which is a pretty aggressive place for him to start and double a he puts up a 1.20 era strikes out 83 guys in 45 innings only walks 16 0.82 whip one homer surrendered that year 11 hits in 27 innings at high a right off the bat one era 
in 27 innings. Gets promoted, doesn't miss a beat. 18 innings, 10 hits, 9 walks, 29 Ks. Uh, an incredible 2021 season. And last year, repeats double A. It's not quite as good, but he's pretty good. 49 two-thirds innings, 63 Ks, uh, 3.08 ERA. And still limits the long ball by and large, just still has four homers in those nearly 50 innings. So he'll probably start this year at triple A after the full season and a half at double A. He's just 24 years old. He's 6'5, 250. I'm interested. And uh, apparently he was the Braves' number 24 prospect prior to this trade. Now, MLB Pipeline updates their stuff routinely as soon as someone's traded. So I went to check. Oh, 24, pretty impressive. And I went to check this morning. He's already gone. Uh, and so who knows? I don't know. I'm taking that from the John Boy Media account, Farm to Fame. I believe them. They know what they're talking about. But uh, na- uh, we've got a year and a half of, of him being a nasty reliever, uh, if not two years of him being a nasty reliever. So if you can get a higher upside reliever for Lucas Lickie, who doesn't have to be protected yet, yeah, I'm on board. I like this profile, I will say. Um, I didn't look at any of it. Now you see that he had 2020 canceled on him. Only had six games of professional experience before that, after the draft. I don't know why they're giving up right now. Outside of this bad showing in the Arizona Fall League, which is the best prospects from every single team. So you're facing elevated competition. He went there after just 14 games at A, which was his first taste there. Um, this, is, uh, this is someone who has a pathway to be a competent reliever in, a, in the middle of a bullpen. So... Bravo, I guess. We'll take it. Back to the, you know, they're laying this laying the cinder blocks for the foundation here, the Yankees. Yeah, they lost all they of their so. upper end pitchers, which we'll obviously talk about later when we talk about left field. Mm-hmm. You know, Waldachuk gone, Wesneski gone, JP Sears gone. And that's a problem for last fall. That's a problem for this year. Uh, but the next generation of Yankee pitching prospects is starting to cut their way into that top 10 with Will Warren and Clayton Beater at the back yeah. end. Uh, if they take their step forward that we see them taking this year, maybe we'll have a top five, top six next year. Uh, right behind them, Drew Thorpe, Randy Vasquez, Tristan Breeling, all these guys they just drafted. Uh, Yoendris Gomez is coming back. There are names that could easily be in that top ten next year. Right now, the Yankees don't have that upper-level bullpen help uh, or rotation depth. Maybe by midway through next season, we have some more faith in these recent draftees. This guy is starting from a place of strength. He's going to start at AAA. We know what he is. We've got two years of data on him, and the Yankees like him, and the Braves liked Licky enough to dump him, which, again, kind of answers our question, why now? If you're going to do it anyway, you might as well get somebody like this from yeah. the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so I'm I'm impressed, and but only impressed in the way that I found out about this person last night. Again, I didn't yeah. know. I, I, I will never lie to you. I, I was not walking into the Licky DFA being like, hmm, I wonder if they can get their hands on Indigo Diaz. No, I did not know who this was, uh, but you, it's hard to argue with it at this point. I agree. And assuming that the top end of the farm system, or at least the foundational blocks that are being built over these last two years come to fruition, we can trade for Brian Reynolds next year. Cause that's when the pirates are going to get their hands on top pitching prospects from our organization, which they do not have access to right now. Everybody let's get the focus where it needs to be. The pirates want top end pitching prospects for Brian Reynolds, Brian Reynolds, seemingly a solution in left field for the Yankees along with 20 other options that we've pulled out of thin air, 20 other options. Yankees Twitter has made up to be a perfect fit for this team. 
um, because that's where the one vacancy is right now. The one vacancy is left field, so we have to go down the list of every single left fielder that's ever existed or who can at least walk at this moment, and we're going to plug them into left field in the Bronx, and we're going to get this deal done. Ryan Reynolds is the leading candidate among the delusional folk out there. Um, once again, we'll talk on this podcast about how this is more than likely not going to happen. What the Pirates want, the Yankees do not have right now. No. Unless the Pirates are willing to take risks on guys that the Yankees are high on. And um, I don't think they're going to want to do that for their most prized asset um, that they're trading with three years of control. They're going to want sure things here. No nonsense um, filler in this deal. Um, some of you think Domingo Herman would be part of this trade package. Again, I know we mentioned it last podcast, but it's still crazy to read this and think that you actually think this. Let's stop thinking like this. New year, new brain, okay? Um, so the left field solutions, we don't know what they are. We talked briefly last week about how maybe Ben Benintendi's five-year deal with the White Sox could help the Yankees out in the trade market. Why? Ian Happ entering a contract year, final year of arbitration eligibility with the Cubs. That five-year deal for Ben Benintendi might have set the market differently for Happ, who – at this point, objectively, might be the more valuable player um, based on how his defense has um, come full circle. Hap was really uh, bounced around the diamond over his first, you know, four plus years in in uh, MLB. Last year, full time in left field, uh, believe he secured the Gold Glove. Um, he has been hitting for power. Obviously, he got his average up to two seventy one this year, which was a career high. Um, belting doubles. Um, and the Cubs very odd trajectory here. Very, very odd. I don't, once again, we talked about it before. I don't know what they're doing, but what are you going to do if you're the Cubs? If you offer half an extension at this point, because Hey, if you're, you got Dansby Swanson in the picture, you brought in Jamison Tyone. Are these the, you know, the sexiest acquisitions of all time? No, but they're seemingly, um, a semblance of what could be over the next five, six years. You have Hap. If you offer Hap an extension, who, why would you want to lose Ian Hap? He's a good player. He's coming into his own. Um, you're going to have to offer an extension probably close to what Ben Intendi was making, uh, especially for um, uh, someone of Hap's age, um, his capabilities, um, the fact that he's kind of outperformed Ben Intendi over the last couple of years, if you're taking into account the statistics that are more valuable. Um and if the Cubs are not willing to go that length, then it's kind of a foregone conclusion that Hap's going to hit free agency. And then if that's the case, are the Cubs really going to spend an entire year sitting on an Ian Hap asset when they can get maximum value for him before the year starts um, and they can get a return for him before he hits free agency, um, as opposed to watching him hit free agency, having to battle out other teams who are going to be bidding for him. Um, and the Cubs in recent years have not exactly been aggressive on that front. So does this help the Yankees in trade talks? Does this inch the Cubs closer to a trade for Ian Happ? I don't know, but there are another, a couple of other solutions. Adam, you've been zoned in on the Diamondback situation, and now Friday we had a trade. Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays. Um, I thought that was an overpay for the Blue Jays, but whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to do. I'm not going to discourage it. Uh, props, props to you folks in Toronto for being aggressive. We talk all the time about how the Yankees aren't aggressive enough when they want to be or when they should be. I don't know if this is where I would be aggressive if I was a 
general manager, but I'm not a general manager. I am a low-level podcaster um, on the fan-sided network here, just breaking it down. Um, so Varsho's off the table, but Lourdes Gurriel Jr. dealt to the D-backs, has now crowded that outfield picture again. So what do we have in Arizona? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. That's why I don't know what the hell's going on there. Because the Diamondbacks had a bunch of outfielders to deal with. They also added the 2020 Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis, who at this point is a bounce back. You don't really know what he is. But in addition to all the outfielders we're talking about, they went out of their way to acquire the 2020 Rookie of the Year as well. So (laughs) strange outfield picture in Arizona. They've got Corbin Carroll, who better be starting this year if you have any pretense of being competitive. He needs to be in your outfield. You've got Paven Smith, who uh, most people don't really talk about uh, because we don't know what he is. We don't know if he's a first baseman. We don't know if he's an outfielder. We don't know if he's a major league starter necessarily, uh, but he's he's also around. You got to find room for him. Uh, Alec Thomas, a top 100 prospect in major league baseball before suddenly his ascent is a little bit stunted with a rough season last year at the big league level. Is he available? He liked Carlos Rodon's Instagram announcing his move to the Bronx and commented some fire emojis on it. Does he know the Yankees are talking about a trade for him? Does he know anything at all? Who knows? Jake McCarthy. My main issue with Jake McCarthy is you just can't look at a 270 hitter with a ton of speed and not a lot of hard hitting metrics and say, yeah, that is my starting left fielder. It's an interesting move. He's a fourth outfielder. Maybe, maybe he unlocks something in the Bronx, but I don't think a lot of optimists are created by trading your major assets for Jake McCarthy. That said, he's also available. And up until a couple of days ago, Dalton Varsha was there too. If you were ranking who's the most untradeable, you would probably say Corbin Carroll's not going anywhere. 
it's going to be tough to get Alec Thomas after just one, two thirds of a year of major league baseball, considering his pedigree, but the Cashman would probably try and you would rank Dalton Varsho as right in the middle there. Probably the second most protected probably goes Carol Varsho, Thomas McCarthy. Uh, but lo and behold, they do cut bait on Varsho whose defensive metrics are crazy good and whose hard hit rate is less than stellar, but he did hit 27 homers last year. So I think even if you predict a backslide, fewer bombs uh maybe last year was his offensive peak before he makes a change to his swing or whatever still probably an 18 19 20 homer guy with exceptional defense you think he's probably going to be a piece of the diamondbacks outfield you think they probably go with carol varsho thomas and trade mccarthy or bench mccarthy or what have you uh or maybe just send paven smith packing who knows either way uh, the uh, Blue Jays shocked the world, trade for Varsho, and definitely trade for Varsho like he's a peak superstar, budding star. Uh, Gabriel Moreno, who's their top prospect, who's a catcher, who's blocked, goes to headline the package. So that means if the Yankees had pulled a trade off for Dalton Varsho, who people are doubting, he's not a cinch solution, it would have cost Oswald Peraza. Because Moreno is a big-time deal. And they attached... Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who the Diamondbacks clear out an outfielder, get another outfielder, get an older outfielder. I don't know. I don't know. It makes you think Gurriel is probably the most available. <laughs> right? Unless it's Carol, unless it's Carol Gurriel Thomas with Smith, McCarthy, and Lewis as the odd man out. It's a strange roster. And one that I, I think a lot of people think is going to be better than widely expected although if a lot of people think that then maybe it's exactly what people are expecting uh but did they i mean did they really acquire a veteran in lourdes guriel jr just after clearing out an outfield spot is that what they thought of dalton varsho that they were like wow we could just get another outfielder in his place and then they had a catching prospect i don't know but uh, I'm more interested in Guriel Jr. because he should cost less than Dalton Varsho and I think project to be a better hitter. And also feels like somebody who, if he shows up in the Bronx, like the spotlight likes that guy. But what do I know? Yeah, I don't, this was, and look, I'm not going to pile on the Blue Jays here because once again, being aggressive, I respect it. But when there were rumors of them trading from their catcher surplus, right? I was under the assumption that that was going to come with a sell high on Alejandro Kirk or Danny Jensen. Yeah. Not the top prospect in Gabriel Moreno, who debuted last year for 25 games and hit 319. Um, who was the top, you know, he was the top prospect in their organization. He was uh, seven overall on MLB pipeline in September. And he was three overall on baseball America in September. Um and look, prospect rankings are prospect rankings. We don't prospect hug here. We are not taking these. This this is not this is not gospel. The prospects are unproven until they have a decent, long-standing showing at the major league baseball level. Level. However, you trade Moreno for Varsho, and then you throw in Guriel Jr., who has had. Five major league seasons of experience, obviously um, his first uh, three years in the league in the league were abbreviated 65 games in 2018, 84 in 2019. And then he played the full shortened season, but it was a shortened season. Um, 
Nonetheless, he's shown far more promise than Varsho at this point. Varsho, 283 games at the MLB level, 103 OPS plus, 41 bombs, um, 25 stolen bases. This is somewhat encouraging. He's hit, hit 234 with a 306 on base. I don't know how sold I am on that. I view this as Varsho's had one good year, right? One good year of MLB of uh, showing at the MLB level. He played 37 games in the short in 2020. Um, it was not good. 95 games in 2021, solid if unspectacular. So you, in my eyes, I think the swap should have just been Moreno for Varsho because Moreno, I think, has outside of this 150 game sample size from Varsho. I think the potential for Moreno is to do just this and be obviously a more valuable defender as a catcher, which is an extremely uh, rare asset at this point in the game to get a catcher who is good defensively and is a productive bat. So I understand the Blue Jays had a surplus of catchers, but I don't know how you don't trade high on the two guys who clearly outperform themselves and Moreno, who's widely viewed as, somebody who's going to be a long uh, going to have a long-term presence at the major league level this deal confuses me and to sit and to buy high on varsho again seems like bad business because he's i under look the metrics last year were great 4.9 war that's awesome i don't know i think for me there's only room for regression there. If you're sitting there hoping for another five war season from someone who just kind of burst onto the scene. And again, the numbers weren't crazy impressive. Again, it was Arizona. So spotlights off a little bit, just finding your bearings on your new team. Um, all that's going to crank up. Now you're in the AL East, you're facing better pitching. Um, you're on a championship contender. Um, you're protected in a lineup with a ton better hitters. Um, maybe he responds to the pressure. I don't know. I just don't get buying this high on somebody who has shown you not uh, just barely a full season's worth of promise at this point. So if the Yankees can capitalize on this and maybe pick up one of the guys from Arizona, um, I'd be fine with that. If they stick with what they have, if it's a Hicks Cabrera platoon in left field to start the season off, I don't have a problem with that. For me, it's Ian Happer bust. I don't know if there's anything else here that makes sense in terms of an overpay. You just watched Varsho go for, in my opinion, what was a clear overpay. I'm sure many other general managers deem that an overpay, given that there was you didn't really hear about any other teams in the running or competitive packages that were side-by-side side with the Blue Jays. Um, so I'm glad the Yankees stayed out on this. Again, folks, left field is vacant. Does not mean left field needs to be filled with the best possible option or for us to overpay for somebody to stand in left field. Um, especially because a lot of these options that are available are not natural left fielders, not trading for an outfielder for them to play out of position. Not what we're doing here. Um, so uh, the Blue Jays are happy about this. That's great. I am. I view this more as the Blue Jays kind of swooping in to try and big boy the Yankees because they knew the Yankees were in on the Diamondbacks players. Varsho was the best one. They said, let's take the best option from the Yankees. In doing that, I think you kind of gotten worse. I don't know. The Blue Jays to me, one of the more confusing off seasons, it goes Cubs blue Jays because I know the blue Jays are trying to tread water here in a sense. And 
get rid of some money to prepare for these long-term deals and stay competitive in the short term. But I don't know how you get better trading Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Um, I don't know how much better Chris Bassett slotting into the rotation makes you. Um, I just, it, it's, it's all fine to me. I, I don't know if this is, if this is the, if this is the second part of the trailer, I'm not sure the movie is going to be too good. I don't understand. Just think about it objectively. Like Varsho levels up your defense. Kevin Kiermeyer is a defense only player at this point. So the defense is better, but Kiermeyer and Varsho is who you have to navigate now instead of Hernandez and Gurriel. That's just, that's worse. It just isn't as good. It's got to be. On paper, it's worse. On paper, it's worse. Um, and George Springer, like they're accommodating him to move to a corner. That guy gets hurt every year. And, and yeah. so show me a season where he stays healthy. Bef- like they're they're going out of their way to accommodate him, but I why he's still got to run around out there. He's still got to run the bases. Like, yeah. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for the Diamondbacks, too, who are stuck in stasis mode here, getting much better and calling up these hot prospects and, and doing things right, but they're just stuck behind the Dodgers and Padres, and they're not going to pass them. And they, they could pass the Giants. They could sneak into the wild card berth. But, uh, yeah, not going to win that division anytime soon uh, and, and never going to spend to win that division. So they're just stuck in a rough spot. I don't, I'm not sure what the comments are popping off about right now. Uh, Yankees don't have a catcher worth a fuck. I mean, they have the all-star, they have an all-star catcher. They have Austin Wells waiting behind him. Jose Trevino, I'm pretty convinced. His defense was extremely valuable last year. I'm convinced his bat fell off a cliff when he hurt himself, fell yeah. that off his foot. Yep. In Oakland, I will never be able to, you, you won't convince me otherwise until I'm able to see this season. I'm not sure if he's a long-term fit. Like, I don't know if the Yankees are going to have Jose Trevino behind the plate for the next decade. But if he can hit, uh, <laughs> 90% of what he did in the first half, even 85% of that, and bring the defense that uh, we know he can bring and the framing capabilities. I think you stick with him for a while. Yeah. Uh, and, and I will say to the comments, I will never address this again. No, the Yankees should not get Trevor Bauer. Moving on. Thanks. Uh, apps, absolutely not. No chance. Um, in terms of the other left field options, I, I can't act like I'm happy. I think you could frame this conversation and embarrass us, us saying like, I'm okay with Hicks and Cabrera. Like I'm really not okay with Hicks and Cabrera and certainly not entering the second half of the season. But I I think if Hicks and Cabrera are the guys to start the season, I'll relent. Um, Trevino is not ass cheeks. Uh, He's just, I appreciate the terminology, but no, he's, he's not. Um, Best of luck (laughs) to you in the future. Uh, He's not Jorge Posada, but he's a, He's not ass cheeks. Uh, the, the the Hicks Hicks Cabrera Cabrera is just better served as a third baseman, second baseman, left fielder, right fielder, etc. You'll see him in left field sometimes, but you should never walk into the season saying Oswaldo Cabrera, the shortstop, is my left fielder. That makes no sense. Giancarlo Stanton also mentioned in the comments uh, he can't he can't play left field. He won't. They 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 don't do that. It'd be nice if he could. He can't. And when he does, he doesn't get the balls at this point. So. Eight games out of Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield. Harrison Bader in center, Aaron Judge in right. Left field's a wasteland. I don't think Aaron Hicks has earned a spot on this major league team in perpetuity. But if you're starting opening day there, instead of trading for Max Kepler, who had roughly the same season as Aaron Hicks last year, then I'm I'm fine with – I'm not more excited about Kepler than I would be about Hicks holding down the fort. But bottom line, you got to make a move in the middle of the year because you can't enter the stretch run with Hicks out there. And you can't enter October with Hicks out there. And Hicks will probably solve this problem for you because they'll probably get hurt in May. But, yeah. uh, you know, Aaron Hicks, 
there has to be something like if you do enter the season with Aaron Hicks as your starting left fielder, you have to have to have to have a plan in the middle of the season. But smart people would say if you're entering a season planning to address something of the deadline, then you're entering the season foolishly because you never know how things are going to materialize. Ian Happ could lock up an extension with the Cubs in April. Ian Happ could break his femur and never play baseball again. Uh, you know, you, if your if your solution is someone who's not on the roster already, and it's not only someone who's not on the roster already, it's someone you haven't even identified yet, then you don't have a solution. I think Ian Happ is the guy yeah. for me, and things had better work out. But I I'd want to get somebody like a Jake McCarthy type to be to be. You give me truth serum. I would like an interesting fourth outfielder to split time with Hicks and occasionally Cabrera for now, and then hopefully you reassess at the deadline. I think that's good enough. I think McCarthy bats ninth, hits 275, and steals 25 bags. That's probably worth it. Yeah, I think we're forgetting about one other option here that nobody's really talked about is you start the season with Hicks and Cabrera platooning out there, what have you, um, and then you wait for the trade deadline, and then maybe before the trade deadline, Everson Pereira is ready to make an impact. Um, I know he only played 29 games at Double A last year, but hit 283 with an 846 OPS. Um, we're about to get into a conversation about Anthony Volpe real quickly, and I think that um, this could be an expedited prospect situation because, again, how much time do you need to prove that you're capable of hitting, you know, major league pitching? The strikeouts for Pereira are a bit of a problem, but he doesn't have – he also doesn't have problem making contact. He doesn't have problem hitting for power. And he steals bases. They need athletes out there. They need someone covering ground. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Do I think it's likely? Not necessarily. I think it's an option, though, um, because that's an option the Yankees can keep in their back pocket as they sit here and contemplate if they're going to overpay for somebody that – isn't really a fit or a long-term fit or someone worth their while. As for opening day, starting shortstop, who's it going to be? Don't know. Everyone's penciling in Oswald Peraza at this very moment. This week on the Yes Network, Michael Kay told us a little story about uh, Anthony Volpe's offseason after his year um, at uh, AA and AAA. He played most of the year at AA. Slow start to the year. Um What are you going to do? It happens. You're getting back into the groove of the season. You started a brand new level. It wasn't the most promising of beginnings of a season for Anthony Volpe. He turned it around, started tearing the cover off the ball at double A. You all knew what he was doing. Uh, It was highly publicized once he started. uh, Once the power started coming around, he stole 50 bases. So that was a big talking point. Um, Then he made it to triple A where he immediately started mashing homers. Um, He appeared in 22 games there. Um, I think he started his triple a debut off of the six game hitting streak. His first at bat was a home run. Um, He ended up with three bombs, five RBIs, six stolen bases um, in 22 games in Scranton. Um, And when the season ended, this was the longest professional season Anthony Volpe's ever had 132 games since being drafted um, in 2019. Uh, He talked with his dad. His dad was like, Anthony, probably time to rest up. That was a long season. Put a lot of pressure on yourself. You made it all the way to the tippy top of the minor leagues. You're knocking at the door of the MLB roster. Um, Let's let the body recuperate, fella. And he's like, you know what, Dad? That's a good decision. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to rest. Then came a phone call from Brian Cashman. uh, Per Michael K. Brian Cashman called Anthony Volpe, told him he would be in the mix for the starting shortstop job um, 
for 2023 opening day. And what did that prompt Anthony Volpe to do? Very next morning, 5.30 a.m., pulls the car out of the driveway, heads to the gym. Uh, his dad doesn't know where, his go where he's going, calls him, Anthony, what's going on? Uh, it's 5.30 in the morning. What are you doing? Uh, dad, I'm heading to the gym. Time to work out. I'm in the mix for the opening day shortstop job. So um, that got me pumped just because you love dedication like that from players. More so, however, is I'm excited that this – is being talked about publicly the story is being divulged from yankees broadcaster yankees gm told this to the yankees top prospect we're manifesting the reality that we all want we want anthony volpe probably starting at shortstop we don't need him spending any more time in the minor leagues again don't need to elaborate this on any further but how much more proof do you need do you need him to master the triple a level before he's at the mlb level Stole 50 bags in 132 games. He OPS over 800. He hit 21 homers. Yeah, I think a little bit of time in AAA could help him. At the end of the day, if he's tearing the cover off the ball in spring training, what are you wasting your time for? Bring the guy up. He's going to be protected with some of the best hitters in the league. He's going to have an opportunity to make an impact with his legs in some capacity, whether it's the defensive side of the ball, whether it's stealing bases, um, and that the, the, the Yankees' uh, lack of hesitation here to say, you know what, we're going to fully tell him, put him in the mix for the opening day job, I think it's a little bit of a shift in mentality here from what we're used to seeing from the organization. Yeah, and why am I finding out about it? Like, unless they want me to know about exactly. it. Exactly. I'm glad they're sharing that. Instead of promising they're going to bury somebody, they've done all the right things in motivating Volpe after a really, really, really successful 2021 and what could have been a strenuous start to the next season, like jumping to double A, trying to repeat the season that took you from off the top 100 prospects map to into everybody's top 10 across yeah. the game. You got to repeat that. And you got to exceed it. And he really struggled in April, but they brought him along. He ended up putting up a pretty damn good season, like you said, with an 80, wow. 802 OPS overall, but 820 at double A. And that's, again, a hideous April. And he strikes out 88 times in 497 plate appearances. That's, that's really impressive. Uh, of course, at the AAA level, the strikeouts escalate and end up striking out 30 times in 99 plate appearances. And that's not good. And that's the chief thing they're citing for uh, why he needs more seasoning there. But give the Yankees their credit. They did not hold him back from that level at the end of the year. They did bring him up to AAA when he appeared to have no battles left to fight at double a and he did get his feet wet we got a little too excited when he had that early hitting streak and said like ah oh, he didn't even have an adjustment period here well yes he did he, he struck out a bunch and he went on to struggle throughout you know the start of september etc like jason dominguez crushed in the double a playoffs and goes to arizona for the fall league and kind of sucks but it happens i personally think they're probably going to put anthony volpe in triple a to start the year and i think yeah. he'll probably need it but they're giving him hope they're dangling that carrot and now they've backed themselves into a corner where if he hits 440 in spring training and gets consistent reps with the starters, like not just pictures anymore. Last year, he took pictures with Judge and Stanton. So they were basically like, eh, look at this marketing materials. Look at this future. Now you got to put him in the games. Now he's got to start a couple of games with those guys. Mm -hmm. And if he does out hit Peraza, then you got to start him to start the year now that you've said it. If Peraza shows out too, though, and they both dominate, I think you can make the case that Labor Torres is probably more essential to this lineup than people are giving him credit for. He yeah. was terrible last August. 
terrible after the deadline, but still a 115 uh, OPS plus last year, uh, really above average major league hitter last season. And I, I'm not on board with trading Glaber Torres at this point, especially because we know we're going to take a hit in the left field spot. And we know Josh Donaldson sucks. Uh, so with DJ LeMay, whose future still uncertain, I would keep Glaber Torres for now. But Anthony Volpe, if he shows you what we think he's going to show you in spring training, and, and this isn't just your normal prospect. Everybody loves Peraza, but Peraza's like top 40, top 50 in the game. Volpe's top 10. Some say top 5. So this is next level. This is elite, and elite players got to do elite things, and they're going to give him a chance to compete this year. I don't think he starts the season on the roster, but I think he ends the season on the roster, and I think that's what Brian Cashman's setting up for you. I think it's great. I think there needs to be competition, whether the Yankees have their mind made up or not. I think in previous seasons when there's been a lack of competition and the roles have just been spelled out for everybody – it's kind of resulted in a sort of complacency up and down the roster. Again, we're not in the locker room, but you could tell sometimes by body language, you could tell by some players lack of ability to kind of dig themselves out of a slump um, and whatnot. And you don't want to breed complacency in a market where the expectations continue to be high from the media to the fans um, to just the organization in general. I think there needs to be constant competition here. There needs to be people looking over their shoulder about their job security um, throughout the year outside of the, the core players that we know are going to produce. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no reason that this should not be on the table at the very least. Um, this is one of the top prospects in baseball. We've seen various top prospects across major league baseball get elevated before they were ostensibly ready for major league action. Um, and these situations are not always linear. Um, the Yankees waiting and waiting and waiting for guys to develop and uh, show their worth at AAA in order for that to validate the Yankees decision and bring them up to the major leagues just can't be anymore. You have a talented guy. They're dealing with problems. Great. You work out those kinks as time goes on. No one, there's no perfect pro. There's very few perfect prospects making their way through the minors, hitting the MLB level, hitting the ground running and not having any issues. There's going to be strikeout issues. Pitching is the best it's ever been in history from the minor league level to the major league level. Of course, Anthony Volpe is going to have strikeout problems for the, for the kind of hitter that he is. This is no secret. Um, if that's the thing that's holding you back, there's not going to be that much of a change in approach there. There needs to be fine tuning here and there. I think he's better off working with the major league staff in in figuring out those issues and not the minor league staff, but what do I know? Either way, I think it's good that this is being talked about on the yes broadcast. There is um, a clear sense of uh, hope and competition heading into 2023, which is going to set the tone correctly for where this needs to be. Judges return judge talking about more moves judge talking about what the stakes are moving forward. Carlos Rodon coming in talking about how this is, a, this is where he wants to be. Um, that judge returning was played a big role in his decision to sign here. Um, let's bring it all home. Let's keep it going. Trickle it down, baby. Come on. I think a lot of people are also, you know, discounting the fact that last year, uh, there, there are seasons where your team is great. Right. And there's obvious pressure there. Uh, but then there are seasons where it just feels like the end. 
Like you add the pressure of greatness and a great roster to this feeling of finality. Like, well, if we don't do it this year, we're not going to get a chance to do it next year. And that's what happened in the first half of last season when this was a record setting roster and everybody knew Aaron judge was a free agent at the end of the year because the front office either bungled it or slow played it or what have you. Everybody knew that not only is this a great team, this could be the last time we ever see Aaron judge and pinstripes. So there's the classic Yankee pressure. Every year, this team is World Series or bust. Mm -hmm. Then you add the record-setting first half, and then you mix in the fact that Judge, his future is completely uncertain. Nobody on You could say you knew he was coming back, but the team didn't know he was coming back. So no, you didn't. Uh, Add in (laughs) all that uncertainty, and you've got a team that played last year with this relentless pressure of, like, we have to be be perfect because we might not get this shot again. Now, Judge is here for nine years slash for life. He's not leaving. He's not going to play for another team. Uh, Giancarlo Stan is here. I don't know if he's going to be Yankee for life, but uh, Stan Cole locked up long-term, Rodon locked up long-term, and there's the next generation of Yankee prospects. You got to do it this year because you got to do it every year. But nothing they do this year is going to force Aaron Judge out of town. Nothing they do this year is going to chase Cole or Rodon from the roster. They've got their pieces in place. They reset their own clock. The window never closes on the Yankees, but last year there was a, a chance that if Judge left, they're going to have to do a hard reset, spend two years winning 81 or 78 or 83 games, and then finally move on and reinstall the pieces who matter in 2025 when Volpe and Peraza are hitting their stride. Now you got a lot more leeway. You got Judge for life. You got a star laden roster. The rest of the AL East doesn't exactly terrify you. There's no super team here. If there is, it's you. And you've got a larger runway here to work things out. So I hope Volpe's starting on opening day because that means a lot of things went really right. But there's no more pressure to nail this by April 16th because you're no longer running on a razor's edge trying to get everything right so that if Judge leaves and your team collapses at the end of the year, then you can at least tuck a feather in your hat and say, well, at least I won one last title in this final season. Now you got a lot more room to work with. And not endless room, because it's got to be Judge's prime, but he's here this year. He's here next year. He's not going anywhere. So you got to get this right by October. You don't have to nail it in April and May and every step of the way. No, I think the timing works out for them um, for once. And you look at the division, you're right. I mean, I don't know what the Red Sox are doing. They signed Corey Kluber. Um, just weird, weird stuff. Uh, the Jays, like we said, they're making acquisitions to either tread water or they're taking a risk on potentially getting better, which doesn't really scare me. Um, the Rays, they're just hanging out. I mean, obviously they're always a threat in some way, but not entirely scary, especially the way the Yankees handled them last year. Um, and the Orioles made fun of them last episode. Um, they're not, they're not doing anything despite having the resources and ability to do it. Um, what was their move? They just made one. They made one more move. Adam. Yeah. Adam. No, there was another one. Wasn't there. They traded for someone. They traded for James McCann. That's what oh, they did. Yeah. That's cool. And they paid. No, they, I, I don't think they're paying anything. I think the Mets ate the entire salary. So they traded for James McCann. They signed Adam Frazier. They signed Kyle Gibson again in a year. They finished above 500 with all very young players or mostly top prospects. So you look at the Yankees situation and how the timeline is working out for them. They also have uh, room for error on their side. If you even want to say that, I don't think, you know, I don't think that they 
they necessarily need it because they are the better team on paper. But in the event injuries occur, I think they maybe have the depth to weather the storm based on the top prospects that they have um, and uh, the other players on the roster who would be willing to pick up the slack. Um, and I think the Volpe-Peraza thing works great for them. In the event Volpe's not ready yet, you have Peraza slot in at short. You give Volpe a couple months. Volpe comes up maybe before the trade deadline. If he's still not ready, okay, great. He comes, he comes after that. Um, there is a clear order of operations in which this would work, assuming Glaber Torres is still remaining in the picture. And even if he's not, God forbid Glaber Torres is not here. Um, DJ LeMahieu should be healthy by, I guess, a month or two into the season. I know you most of you don't like IKF. He has the ability to play multiple positions if we need it. Um, we've seen worse. That's all I'm trying to say. And if, if we have the ability to weather the storm while these younger players are working on hitting their stride, that's really the best we can do at this point. That's what we can do. That's the best we can do. That's it for this edition of the podcast. Um, before we go, do you want to open up some baseball cards? I know we both got baseball cards for the holiday. Yeah, fuck it. You have them on hand. Uh, it's a special guest for all you folks uh, who are st- sticking with the stream. And uh, either a thank you or a punishment to all of you. We're going to open up some baseball cards uh, for the holiday, which we both love doing. Thomas says Allen and Ginter, 2022. Those are weird. I have Stadium Club. His or hobby, mine are retail. This is the last pack in a retail box. He's more likely to get something than I am. Uh, but I do want to take this opportunity – a strange opportunity just to shout out everybody here, the people who watch every day, the people who are watching for the first time, our listeners on a, any streaming platform, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, any podcast platform. But juice up those Apple Podcast numbers because we love to see those. We know there are a lot of you. You've made us a top 100 baseball podcast in the country. No, seriously. Uh, during our hottest weeks, during the last couple of weeks, we've, we've been on the charts moving up and down. Uh, and, and we're just another Yankees podcast. We try to stand out. We try to do what we can uh, to, to hold your attention, uh, talk about the rest of the game, too, and have some fun guests and segments. We're going to be doing that in the new year as well. So new year, new us, but not new podcast. More of the same that you've come to expect. But tell a friend. Uh, shout out to anybody who you think might be interested. We're, we're trying to weave our way through this difficult to navigate pathway. We're going to be live for big events, big moments next year hopefully that lasts all the way through october and uh thomas you want to go first with your uh yeah i think i have a you have a higher stakes uh everybody should be prepared that you're gonna thomas is gonna get some stuff that's not uh humans or baseball players uh we got brandon lau i think that's that's a throwaway that guy sucks shit benny horowitz Drummer for the rock band, the Gaslight Anthem. Yeah, describe Benny Horowitz to me. I'm not aware of that guy. Cool guy. He rips. Mitch Haniger, no longer a Mariner. Sorry, folks. Oh, here we go. Julio Rodriguez, rookie. Yep. Good. Case it. Easy 10 bucks. That's a case Birthday today. Okay. Oh, Mets fans. Sorry, guys. No mas. Jacob to G. Jacob to Grom. That could that could sell. The Mets certainly sold. No longer a White Sox. Yes, no. Nothing great here. Ooh, a Dale Murphy mini insert, but it's got the alternate. Yeah, it's got that's the. Mini, uh, that's a mini black. I think, to my knowledge, that's one in every ten packs. So yeah. you probably want to case that too. K 
Casey gets oh, in the Hall of Fame where he deserves to be. Yes. Get him in the Hall of Fame. And a Randy Johnson, I know this is not pretty for us, but a 2001 Cy Young Award winner card. Banner year. Um, these are pretty cool. I like the designs on on these ones. I got um, I got a Jeter World Series MVP one in the in the two packs ago and a Mariano Rivera. Um, it was like a pitching a gem. He It was his one uh, – it was his longest relief outing ever. It was a three-inning save, which he recorded in like 99. Pretty cool. Banner year for Randy indeed. We've got a five in here in my last pack of Stadium Club from the resale box. There's something shiny, and so I'm not going to show that to you until the fifth card. I don't know what it is, but it's number two in this pack. So uh, we'll go there last. But these are – Thomas has like art cards. I got beautiful photography. Look at uh, look at Fat Tubby Lancelin over here in the field of dreams. <laughs> Everybody wants to forget about, but uh, good, good pitcher. Uh, wish we'd kept him. Chipper Jones, the photography here is also excellent. Ooh. And uh, I believe this is Philly's icon, John Cruck, and this photo is incredible. Uh, that's him batting from the wrong side of the plate, getting whiffed by Randy Johnson in the All-Star game. Talk about that or year. Uh, oh, Yankees icon, Dave Winfield. Mr. Wow. At his signing press conference. And the weird shiny card is... Eh, it's, it's not what you want. Um it's fine. It's a red foil Starling Marte. Ooh. So that's a red foil parallel. I think you get two of those in every box. And Starling Marte, who knows? Maybe he's your World Series MVP this season. But until then, no case for him. Uh, he goes back in the box, back in the pack. And I think that was a good five minutes of pack opening. Uh, if you guys like that, we'll do more of it. We, we always have cards on hand. I got a box. Uh, I got a hobby box for Christmas, too, that I just haven't opened yet. Um, my wife shopped for a hobby box of baseball cards for me, which is both empowering. Like it makes me be like, Oh man, like shout out. And then also so emasculating. Just that that's what your wife thinks of you. Like, Oh, for Christmas, I knew you needed some socks. Also, you're a, an absolute toddler who likes baseball cards. So I'm going to get you some pictures of dudes. Um, so I, I did want them and I'm very proud of her. You got the right ones. Uh, but yeah, also pretty embarrassing that I'm in a constant state of being a child. Uh, but that's it. I didn't get a Griffey in this. Sorry, but maybe next time uh, we can bring baseball card time back. We will see you next time. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Our bylines are at YanksGoYard.com. Once again, a lot of you guys enjoyed the scheduled holiday content. Thank you. Um, we had a lot of readers over this last week. Um, we're hoping to get some more. I know we're taking another break now because we got New Year's coming up. We're going to take a breather before uh, the official start of 2023, but Ooh. plenty of content over on at Yanks Go Yard for you. If you're bored, head on over, read some stuff. Let us know how you feel in the comments section. Reach out to us on Twitter. You know how it goes, everybody. And until then, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you at some point next week, depending on what happens. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, folks. We'll be back when we got to be. And if we don't got to be before then, we'll be back next Thursday. Same time, same time.
you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 